So you go through a lot of translations in the Bible. They say the church in Sardis is considered the dead church. And when you look at that, it's not necessarily a physical death. It's a spiritual death. But what you'll, what you'll find out tonight in Revelation is the church in Sardis starts in verse number 1. It says unto the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works and that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. So again, it says you have a name that you are alive. So not only did the church in Sardis themselves thought that they were doing really well, they also had the reputation of being a solid church that worships and loves God and is doing the right thing. That makes sense? I guess I should pay attention, okay? So that, that's an important part to know there. Then, he, then Jesus says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. For you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name from my book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, why this is important <clears throat> is a few things for today. Number one today is think about our church here and also just the general church as body of believers as Christians. Do we believe, like the church in Sardis, that we're a really good church, but in reality, if we do a heart check, we're actually spiritually dead? So how do you, how do you know? How can you tell the difference? One thing you have to ask yourself, and the church in Sardis has to ask itself as well back then, is when somebody comes into your church, although you may be doing worship, you may read the Bible, you may preach, you may have things that look like church and that are not bad things, but when somebody comes into your church, do they really feel the Spirit of God presence in the church? Do the people have a, a spirit about them that doesn't come from the world? Or do they come into that church service and everybody's kind of just doing their own thing, nobody seems really overjoyed to be there, everybody's just kind of going through the motions, kind of reading half-heartedly, and after Sunday's over, they're like, you know what, we're good, let's go out to eat, we'll see you guys next Wednesday or Sunday. And in reality, like I said, in America today, it's very easy to get like this. To where you, where you do church so long, you've been a Christian so many years, that you get this rut of, I'm just going to go through the motions now, and I'm not really spiritually in tune with it. I'm physically here at church, but I'm not spiritually present. I'm not here to soak up God's Word. I'm not here to learn. I'm not here to grow closer to God, connect more to Him. I'm just kind of here because I've always came here. I'm here to check off a box. And that's what Jesus is saying in the church in Sardis. Yes, some of the things you're doing is not bad, but if you really take a spiritual check on your heart, your heart's not in it anymore. And you're not really spiritually alive like you should be. So I'll put here, is the Spirit alive in our church? When people come in, do they feel the presence of God, or do they feel a deceiving spirit amongst the members? And the other thing is, do we 
here in church today where we welcome the Holy Spirit. So you got to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit on Sunday. And what I mean by that is when the Holy Spirit moves, you shouldn't try to control it. You know, it's not like something that's under us or like a little kid in church like, hey, sit down, be quiet. You know, the Holy Spirit begins to move and speak and act in church. We should allow the Holy Spirit to move and act how he pleases. So, for instance, if you're worshiping and you're really trying to connect closer to God, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you feel like, I just got to spend some time in prayer. I got to go to the altar and I just got to cry out to God. You know, I just I feel convicted to do this right now. People shouldn't look at that person and wow, that person's real distracting from service or Wow, that's crazy. I can't believe that person did that. What a weirdo. You know, they should be like, wow, look at that. The Holy Spirit's working today. Praise God. But there's a lot of churches today that if somebody all of a sudden like yelled out in church, like praising God all of a sudden, or somebody came to the altar other than the altar call time, people would freak out and lose their minds. Like, well, this is not how we do things around here. And because of that, we have to ask ourselves, are we hindering the Holy Spirit to move how the Holy Spirit really wants to move? Because the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's alive and active in our church, you're going to see people, you know, grow closer to God. You're going to see the Spirit move in different ways in the church. And if we're not seeing that, we have to ask ourselves, are we like the church in Sardis, just going through the motions, rather than actually putting our heart and soul into what we're doing? So that also may mean that, you know, if we have to change up the way we worship, or change up the way we preach, or change up the way we do service. Because there's a lot of churches today that get in this rut of doing service one way and one way only. It's like, I right, at 10 o'clock, we got to do this. At 10 15, we got to do this. Where the Holy Spirit's moving and the worship's going great and everybody's involved and people are crying out to God, then it's okay to extend that worship time a little bit longer. Same thing with the preaching. You're like, right, I got to preach for 30 minutes and then 30 minutes I'm over. You know, the Holy Spirit's working and so as you keep going, we'll keep going a little bit. And that's one thing, like I said, in church today we struggle with is we put time frames and restrictions on everything where we should just say, hey, here's what we have planned going in, where the Lord moves differently, we're going to be open to how he moves and directs us, and we're going to have the Spirit lead. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You've gotten to where you do church your way, and you just go through the motions, and you take the Spirit completely out of it. And when you do that, although you're doing church, quote-unquote, you're, you're still spiritually dead. You're not going to really lead people to Christ. And so, um, <clears throat> I put here to kind of conclude that point. We can easily become a structured church over a spiritual church. We can become very much more about structure than about following the Spirit. And number two here about the church in Sardis that I'll point out is are we growing closer to God? What I mean by that is we've done church for a long time. You've probably read the Bible passages many times. You've gone through the same lessons over and over. And it can be easy just to kind of sit in church and tune out things and say, you know, I've already heard it before. They're preaching John 3, 16 today. I'm checking out. I've heard that many times. But if you really want to be spiritually alive in church, is before that passage even preaches that day, say, God, teach me something different about this passage. Show me something I haven't seen before. Or show me how this applies to what I'm going through today. Because the Bible is a living book, so we pray that God reveals what is he trying to say to us today. How does this book apply to my life today? Even though we read a passage 50 times, we can read it again with new life 
and say, okay, yeah, I can still have a class today. I can see what God's doing. A lot of times, especially at your age, and I, know I struggle with it a lot, and I still do from time to time, is what is God's will for my life? You know, what does God want me to do next week? Or what does God have planned for me in the years ahead? And we're not always going to know that. But if you want to start learning what God's calling you to do, and how God's calling you to live in the immediate future, again, pray like that. Pray, God, show me today in this message how this applies to my life. Show me something from this passage I've read 50 times that speaks directly to what I'm going through today. And the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you and show you God's will and what you're going through today. Um, as well, you have to think about if you're not growing closer to God, then you're growing farther apart. Because think about this, even in a marriage, if you marry somebody and you love each other and it's a great relationship, you hang out all the time, you talk, you know, you go do things together, and then over time, as the years progress, you kind of stop talking to each other, you stop hanging out as much, and you're like, oh, it's fine, I've been married for years and years. Well, you've been married for years and years, the longer you stop doing those things, you actually start going farther apart. And that relationship loses a lot of what it has, because you're not working on it anymore. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God, that as we go through life, although yeah, we've prayed a lot in the past and we've done church, we have to continuously try to still grow closer to God. Because if we don't try to keep going closer to God and find out more about Him and have His will for our lives, inevitably we're going to go farther away. Um, and then up in here, are we prepared and willing to take risks to do what God is calling us to do? Or have we put God in the box? to decide in our hearts, we're only going to go so far for him. And if that, if he calls us to do something outside that box, we're going to say no. So here's what I mean by this. There's a lot of churches today, and a lot of Christians today, and like I can say, I think it's easy for all of us at some point in our lives or another, probably multiple times, to get in this habit. Where we put God in a box like this. So in our life, we say, okay, if God calls me to do whatever's in this box, and it could be you know, A, B, C, D, whatever it is, then I'll do it. But if God calls me to do something outside this box, like God calls me to go overseas, or God calls me to talk to someone, Maybe that I'm, I'm uncomfortable with, unusual. Or think about this in your own life today here. What if God simply calls you to minister in, in, a, in an uncomfortable way? Here's what I mean by that. God may, God may look at you and say, well, why? I'm calling you to be a pastor. And you're like, here you go. Um, and so you're like, all right, God, that is definitely outside the box. And so if you feel a nudge in the Holy Spirit to go and pursue that, you're like, you know what, God, I'm sorry. That's outside of my comfort box here. And we'll name this box here the comfort box. And so we just say, it's a little extra there. 
and go our own path. And when we do that, we go farther and farther away from God. Also, I want you guys to think about this. You know, this is a very common one right here. God may say, hey, Sarah, I want you to talk to that person at school that no one else really talks to. I want you to be nice to them and maybe ask them to sit with you at lunch. You're like, if I do that, God, I'm make make fun of. I make it put in some popular group. That's outside of my comfort box here. So I'm just kind of, let's do that way. Yeah, hey, listen, guys, but I want you guys to think about this. Everybody's box is different. Okay, some people would love to go overseas and do missions, okay? Some people uh, think about overseas missions and go, I think that's fantastic. I go call to it. I'm going to call ready to go. And God doesn't call everybody to go and spend a year in Jamaica or something, okay? I'm not saying that here in America. But there are times in life that God may call you to reach out and minister to somebody that isn't necessarily super close to you. Maybe it's not overseas, or maybe it's in a different location. And like I said, some people are going to be really comfortable with that. You may say, well, I'm kind of introverted. That's not really in my comfort zone. That isn't really, that's outside of my comfort box. So if you feel God nudging you in that direction, you're like, eh, X through it. And the problem is, every time we X through those things, we become more and more spiritually dead. Because the more and more we reject God's will for our life, the farther and farther we pull away from God. So my challenge to you guys today is to think about what are those things outside of your comfort box, and what are those things inside your comfort box? What are those things you're like, hey, God calls you to do that, I'm all good to go. But what are those things to where you say, if God calls you to do that, I can't do that, right? I don't feel comfortable doing that. Because in reality, what's probably going to happen is eventually God's going to test you, He's going to push you, He's going to challenge you outside of your comfort zone, and he's probably going to force you to do one of these things, or, or push you to do one of these things. And at that moment, you have to choose, am I, am, I, am I choosing comfort, or am I choosing call? Am I going to choose what's comfortable to me here on earth, or am I going to choose to do what God called me to do? I want you guys to think about that. What's outside your comfort box? What are the things you struggle with doing? And if God were to call you to do that, how can you begin to move into a way that you'll be accepting of that and confident in doing that? And a lot of it's just having more trust and faith in God and growing closer to Him. And you do that, like I said, by reading His Word, trying to understand how to apply it to your life today, having an active prayer life. We talked about the tacos prayer guide earlier. You know, you do something similar to that where you're not just praying and asking for things, but you're also praying and thanking God, getting to know Him, asking Him to help you and guide you. And you're reaching out to other Christians. You know, find a good Christian free group. Talk about things in Sunday school. Talk about things outside of school. If you're struggling through things, share it with them. Have them share with you and minister to one another. And um, if you think about this, a lot of times our personal safety and complacency has taken priority, priority over our faith and obedience to God. So a lot of times we're more worried about what the world's going to think about us than what God thinks about us. So you want to sum up all of this here. It's do you live for God's approval? God's approval or man's? And I want you guys to think about that in your own life today. Because only you can really answer that. You and God alone. In your life today, do you care more about what people think about you, how the world views you? 
Do you care more about what your friends think about you and their approval? Or do you care more about living for God, living in His will? Whatever it may be, whether it's inside or outside your comfort box, even if it makes your friends unhappy, or even if the world doesn't approve of that, or even if that person at school you're trying to impress, that boy or girl you like, maybe that's not the lifestyle they live. Do you care more about living for God's approval, or do you care about living for man's approval? Because see, in this last part of Revelation, Jesus tells the church what's going to happen. He says on that day, basically on Judgment Day, if you're somebody that has just gone through the motions, but you're not really spiritually alive, you're not really a dedicated Christian, you're not really a follower of Christ, then on that day in Judgment, Jesus is going to say, I'm sorry, you thought you were good, but you were spiritually dead. But these people that instead, like he said, there's some people in Sardis that were, that were actually really truly spiritually alive. They were good Christians. And he said, if you are that person, that you're going to do whatever God calls you to do, and you live for God to fill over man's, when you get to heaven, Jesus says he's going to clothe, uh, clothe you in white garments. He's going to open, he's going to make your name off in the book of life. You're going to inherit his kingdom. He's going to give you rewards, and you're going to be celebrated and praised in heaven. And whatever rewards you get in heaven will far, far outweigh anything you can get on earth, even if you're a multi-billionaire. You know, we don't know what those rewards are going to look like, but those rewards are eternal and way better than what you can get in this temporary world that we live in today. So last thing here is our faithfulness on earth matters. And if you want to sum up all this here, the way you live your life now and the heart behind it does make a difference, even if you are a Christian already. Even if you know that one day I'm going to go to heaven, what you do here still matters. And when you get to heaven one day, it gives them just say, okay, hey, Brad, you're a Christian, great job, buddy, come on in. Although you may enter into God's kingdom, what you do on earth still matters. It matters what kind of reward you get in heaven. You know, it matters about Jesus, the conversation you're going to have with Jesus in the future, when you review your life. Every decision you make has an impact, and it makes a difference. And so whether you're a Christian or not, the way you live your life today does matter. And it also matters from an earthly sense. And if you get involved with the wrong people today, you may not be in the, in the place when the right people come along later on. If you're trying to date that Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and you're dating the wrong people right now, and you're getting involved in some things you shouldn't get involved in, listen. then when oh. then when listen, then when Mr. Right and Mrs. Right may come come along later on, you may be in the wrong place in this house. And that'd be a bad no, right. not already married. Like I'm saying, like, you guys aren't married. No, <laughs> oh, shit. Right, listen. So, listen, I want you guys to think about this. This is, this is I'm going to conclude on this. When people see the fruit of your life being produced by the Spirit of God in you, they'll be drawn to the Father in heaven. When people see their life, they can tell if something's different about you. If the Spirit of God lives in you or not. If the Spirit of God lives in you, you're going to have love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, faithfulness, that you're not going to get from the world. Self-control. So if you have these things in your life, you're doing things for God, John promises while you're doing things for Him, He's going to bless you through those things. He's going to be there right beside you. You're going to have this spirit about you, this glow about you that's not going to come from the world. So people can tell, you know, if you're being genuine or not. However, if your life is fruitless, and you look no different than the rest of the world, you have to ask yourself tonight, is the Spirit truly living in me? If the Spirit is living in me, what, do I, what am I doing? Or what are we doing as a church to hinder His presence in, in our lives? In your life. So you can sum up your spiritual life by asking yourself,
yourself is your walk, is your walk, your works, and your words honoring God. So your walk, your your words, and your words. And I want you guys to think about this. If those three things in your life, you know, are spiritually aligned with God, you're probably going to produce the fruit in your life, the fruit of the Spirit in your life. But if these things are off, then you have to ask yourself, what's hindering that and why? And what can I do to draw closer to God today? To be a church that's not spiritually dead, but one that's spiritually alive, and that God does love and free. So let me pray for it, and we'll close here. Do I thank you so much for this lesson here, showing us that it's important that we don't just go through the motions of church, but we actually have the right heart behind it, the right spirit behind it, and that we do things for your glory and your praise, God, and that you truly honor and grow closer to you and lead others to you. Let's be a church that's spiritually alive and that fully aligned with your will and is ready to do whatever you're calling us to do, and that does that boldly and confidently. And then we pray. Amen. All right. Yes. <laughs> we will stop.